Liberty, 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 Liberty. Let me uh, let me introduce the members of the uh, of this orchestra here. On uh, on saxophones and keyboards, Mr. Richie Canada. On the Fender bass, Mr. Doug Stegmeyer. On electric and acoustic guitars, Mr. Howie Emerson. On uh, the drums, Mr. Liberty DeVito. It's John Lamoureux. All right, we got a big one this week. We get to hear from the great, one of the most unmistakable drummers ever, Liberty DeVito. Now, I assume everyone by now pretty much knows Liberty's story. He was Billy Joel's drummer for like 30 years. And this story was documented beautifully in that excellent documentary from a couple of years ago, Hired Gun. We had the director, Fran Strine, on here. You may remember. It's a warts and all story. I mean, it, it didn't end well, and we don't even exactly know why. But that story is already out there. If you don't know that movie or haven't heard that, I would recommend highly that you check that out because that story is already told, so we don't necessarily go there. What I thought would be really interesting that I don't know that he's done is to talk more about his contributions to Billy's music. And so we go album by album and hear from him the things that he remembers the songs that he contributed to mightily. Now, I wanted to showcase some of the songs that I thought he did really well in, that really his performance is what makes it special. And sometimes those are the hits and sometimes they're not. So we don't necessarily discuss every single hit here, but I did want to showcase where I thought Liberty was amazing. In fact, this song you're listening to right here, this is the live version of Angry Young Man from the Live in Russia album. I think this is one of Liberty's greatest performances ever. Now, I get a lot of requests for Liberty, which I think is really interesting because his story is already out there with Hired Gun. But I think we cover some really interesting angles here. Again, I really want to just focus on the music. These days, he's got a new band. They're called the Slim Kings. We play a little bit of them in here. They're working on their third album right now. It's very different, very contemporary. So Liberty's got a lot going on, but I love his storytelling. And I mean, he's one of the greatest drummers ever. I hope that you will come away with this with a greater appreciation of Liberty DeVito if you didn't already have one. He called me from his home in New York City. There's always a place for the angry young man With his working class eyes and his radical plans He refuses to bend, he refuses to fall He's always at home with his back to the wall He's part of the scars and the battles he's lost He's trying to bleed as he hangs on the cross And he likes to be known as the angry young man
Well, first and foremost, I wanted to say, I think this is really interesting. I get a lot of requests for you. Really? I always think that's really interesting because I always tell people, well, just go watch Hired Gun. The whole story is right there. I don't know that I can improve <laughs> on that, you know, but they keep coming. And so I thought, well, I don't know. Let's see if I can kind of touch some other, uh, shed some light on some other angles of the Liberty story. By the way, do you care if I call you Lib? That may just come out naturally. Is that okay? Sure. No, it doesn't matter at all. Okay. I didn't know if you were, you know, had strong feelings about nicknames or anything. Yeah. Like, like don't call, don't call me, don't call my sister-in-law Lizzie. Right. Her name is Elizabeth. There you go. Yes. I mean, some people feel strongly about that. And so I want to be sensitive. I have a few favorite Liberty DeVito moments. Okay. And I want to hear what some of yours are too, because I think that'd be really fascinating. But maybe my favorite Liberty moment of anything is Angry Young Man from the Live from Russia album. Okay. When you come in at the beginning, you know, after Billy does his piano thing, and you come in just guns blazing with the with the drums, that is the quintessential Liberty moment to me. Because I think whenever I think back to my childhood and watching you perform live you're like a flurry of activity and you got the mullet and the mullets kind of flapping in the air and you know what i mean and it's like liberty is just working so hard he's so animated like my eye is often going to going to you and so i'm imagining you in that performance just balls out you know just everything is going nuts it was funny about the mullet it's like my daughters were really young back then and uh when i cut it off they all cried (laughs) (laughs) they were like we don't recognize you anymore dad (laughs) it's so weird the mullet (laughs) that is great i know and i was you know i was looking at a lot of pictures of you and it's not like you had the mullet the whole time but you had it at that one you know the bridge era kind of and everything and so it's exactly it stands out yeah but I'm so I'm I mean i'm gonna end up asking you this question a lot because i i'm curious even album by album what some of your you know, favorite or proudest moments are, but when you sit back and you just think, I nailed that performance, Is what is it? Is there one that just rises above the rest? Well, there, there was 11 albums, you know, with Billy. There was other times, like we, we did a song with John Hyatt uh, for a movie. Uh, the song is called uh, Snake Charmer, huh. and it's for a movie called White Heat. And it's like, I got to moment to play like Bonham, just that straight, you know, that two and four thing that he does. Yeah.
I listen to it now, it's like, wow, that's it's really good. I like the way I play. Good, you know. But yeah, with, but with Billy stuff, uh, and there's a song about, uh, I did with Meatloaf and uh, David Johnstone's playing guitar oh, and Dead Ringer, right? Yes, Dead Ringer. That's my very favorite Meatloaf song, by the way. I love that you were on there. It's really funny because when I listen to it, it's like, holy shit, that's yeah. insane. Yeah. You know? Yes. <laughs> yes. I remember when we did when we did that session, we were at the record plant, and the people in the in the room next to us had to stop while we were recording because they could <laughs> still hear it through the walls. <laughs> How did you get selected to play on Dead Ringer? Well, I had met me and uh, met meat. That's pretty funny. That's great. Uh, yeah, yeah. Not that many people can say that. Not an vegetarian. I don't play with him anymore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I met me and uh, we got to talking. He came to see a show with Billy, and then he called me one day and said, "Hey, we should play on my record." That's said, great. Yeah, why not? You know, and then it was a great cast of characters, and sure. uh, it was a lot of fun. Good. Did Billy mind moonlighting like that, or did he encourage it? No, he encouraged it. He liked Good. us to do things. Only when uh, a couple of times, like when we played with, when I played with McCartney uh -huh. in the studio, and uh, also Winwood, I, I felt like they kind of were hinting around, like, "What are you doing? Because we're going to go on tour, and yeah. you know, what do you?" And I remember after the Winwood uh, session. I went to Billy and I go, so what are we going to do after this album? And he said, well, we're going to go on the road. Uh -huh. Shit, shit. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know Winwood was kind of hinting, you know. What did you do with Steve Winwood? I love Steve Winwood and I didn't know this. Oh, on the Bridge album, there's a song called Getting Closer. He plays organ on it. Oh, I see what you meant. I thought you meant you played on one of his albums. Okay. No, 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 no. Okay. But yeah. No. I, I met him over the years and... Uh, it's really funny. Uh, he, I played the Nam Show with a band I was with uh, in some club. We were playing. The Nam Show was on. It was in Nashville. Nam Show was on. My band was playing in a club in Nashville. Mm. And uh, he came in and came up and saying, "Give me some loving and all that kind of stuff with us." Yes, and it was great. And I, I have in my yearbook when I graduated high school, somebody said, "Keep your head, and you'll one day you'll play with Steve Winwood." No way. I showed it to him when we did the bridge album. <laughs> <laughs> that is great. What's he like? I mean, I I love him, but he seems sort of mysterious because he doesn't do a lot of interviews or anything, you know? No, he doesn't, but he's a wonderful person. Very, like, regular guy, you know? Okay. 
I mean, you know, just goes to his farm and hangs out. Yeah. Now, I'm curious what, in your case, we may as well talk about Hired Gun. How has your life changed since that movie came out? Because it got a, it, I mean, there was a big buzz around that. A lot of people have seen that movie. It changed people's opinions about you and Billy, by the way. Yeah, it did. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's really, it's really funny. Billy, uh, on Long Island, they have the Long Island Music Hall of Fame, right? Uh-huh. So, uh, the way my band, the Lords of 52nd Street, I have, the Lords of 52nd Street is myself, Richie Cannata, and Russell Jabbers, who were originally with Billy and play on most of the albums and stuff like that. Richie does the sax solo and scenes from the Thai mm-hmm. restaurant, and only good young, still rock and roll to me, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And Russell was on a lot of the albums too and toured. We all toured together. So they inducted us into the Long Island Music Hall of Fame. So just a couple of months ago, Billy, and they're starting to induct sidemen now. Like we were inducted as the Lords of 52nd Street. Mm-hmm. And they inducted Tommy Burns, who plays with Billy now. And Billy got up to read the little thing that uh, he was inducting Tommy for. And he said, <laughs> the award thing, but the induction is called a hired gun. <laughs> he looked and he goes, he goes, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That has to have kind of impacted him a little bit. He doesn't come off looking too good in that movie. No, no. Yeah, you know, it's funny. It, it's like a lot of people said before the movie came out, they said, do you make Billy look bad in the movie? You know, <laughs> you got to because I really got to be careful. I don't want to, you know, I would, I don't want to. We had a great time, you know, 30 years. Sure. We had fun. We made great music. We, you know, I went places uh, where we both went places where our wives couldn't go with us. You know what I mean? Like musically and, and things like that. And so uh, uh, and when people saw it, they said, no, you didn't make him look bad. He made himself mm-hmm. look bad. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It seems like in popular culture, Billy, even without Hired Gun, is starting to have a sort of um, recontextualization of his career and his legacy. Like, for instance, a couple of weeks ago, I saw a quote, and I can't even remember where I saw this. I'm trying to remember. It may have been on Twitter or something like that. Somebody posted, like, is Billy Joel the greatest songwriter of the 20th century or whatever? And someone remarked on there, yeah, if you like show tunes. Mm-hmm. And I thought, is that what Billy, in this genera- in further generations, younger generations, are they not seeing what we saw when we grew up with that? Are they kind of, I don't know, minimizing his what he does. Do you see that at all? Well, here's how I see that whole scene now. I have to see it through. I have another band called the Slim Kings. I don't mm-hmm. know if you've seen them on. Uh, I have. I was going to ask you about okay. that. Yeah. Well, well, they're young guys and we write all our own material. And so I'm the old school guy that, that brings the, um, the, the old school flavor to it. But the young guys, they have young ideas. And we were talking with these record people, and they, and they're like, you know, first of all, you, you can't have guitar solos anymore. Guitar solos mm-hmm. are out, right? <laughs> and then they, then they said, um, you know, if you're not writing about a cause, mm-hmm. then you're really not writing about anything. Mm-hmm. So uh, unless, uh, except for the Nolan Curtain, Billy's did the love songs. Yeah. You know, like... It, it never really changed. Like the Beatles went to Sgt. Pepper and then they kind of like blew up into this other band. Mm-hmm. And then they started to make uh, uh, political statements and stuff like that. And um, so 
And Billy Ray is kind of like a broad Broadway, you know, uh, show tunes and stuff like that. Yeah, there's a Tin Pan Alley sort of exactly, you know, exactly. vibe to his songwriting, for sure. Yeah. yeah, so I can see why they see that, you know. Okay. But there's still a lot of fans. People still love this, love this stuff. Yeah. I'm shocked they still play it on the radio. <laughs> I'm wondering if, you know, some time is kind to some artists and not so kind to others. And I'm wondering if... Billy's going to end up being one of those people where it's where their time's unkind, which is just shocking to me growing up thinking that he was, you know, one of the best there was. I should actually let me ask you a, a more pointed question. Yeah. I had Bruce Thomas on here who played bass with Elvis Costello for many years, and mm-hmm. they obviously have had a kind of falling out. And I wanted to establish ahead of time whether he feels ownership over Elvis's musical legacy. You know, is it, yeah. is that Elvis did that and I was just playing along or do you feel invested? And I'm curious how you would answer that. Oh, I, I'm definitely invested. If Billy's the father of those songs, I'm at least the uncle, Yes. you know, uh, but my question has always been like, what did Ringo do for the Beatles that I didn't do mm. for Billy? It's the same thing. You're yeah. in the studio for hours you're coming up with parts uh, I, i'm telling him like what sucks and what doesn't suck he, he would call me on the phone sometimes and start singing something over the phone and i go i don't know about that you know <laughs> and he would go oh, i knew you'd say that oh, let me go back to the drawing board you know yeah, yeah like like things like that so yeah we were deep into it you know um that that whole thing you know it's funny because there was a, an interview uh that he did in a magazine called vulture mm-hmm. uh and um, first of all, he said that if he told me why he got he fired me or cut me loose, it would ruin my life. It's like, what? I was going to ask you about that. <laughs> <laughs> what? You know, the only thing I could think that, that would ruin my life is if, if you told me that after I left the studio, Bernard Purdy came in and played all my tracks. <laughs> 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 well, Bernard is pretty good. But yeah, that would that would suck. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that would really suck. And he also said that Russell, you know, when he listened to Russell play on a tape live, all he did was chink, 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 chink. Mm. You know, those those chinks on still rock and roll, you know, pluck a pluck a pluck a pluck. Yeah, you know, those plucks gave Billy his first number one record, which is still rock and roll to me. You know, absolutely. What's the matter with the clothes I'm wearing? Can't you tell that your tie's too wide? Maybe I should buy some old tab collars. Welcome back to the age of jive. Where have you been hiding out lately, honey? You can't dress as flashy till you spend a lot of money. Everybody's talking about the new sound. Funny, but it's still rock and roll. Still 
So you brought it up and I was going to ask you about this, but I thought it might be a sensitive thing. So I was going to wait and sort of test the waters. I read that interview with Billy and Vulture and I saw when he said that and it was on the heels of Hired Gun. And having just talked to Fran and seen the movie many times, I felt very invested in you and your well-being and the movie and everything. So you don't have any idea what it is he would be talking about. No, uh, what, what, look, when, when it went down with me and Billy, it, it was hard. You know, it's really hard when you step outside of your bubble uh, after 30 years and then all of a sudden you're not really the person that you were the day before, mm-hmm. you know, and, and people are calling you up. Hey, you're coming to San Francisco. Or let's get together. Oh, no, I'm not. I'm not playing with him anymore. Or, yeah. You know, stuff like that. And it wasn't until this guy, Wayne Blanchard, who worked for, for Sabian Assembles. I was talking to him one day and he goes, this is this is what you have to do. I mean, it was depressing to the to the point of like Doug Stegmeyer, who was the bass player with Billy. After he got cut, he you know ended his life. He yeah. couldn't take it anymore. So Wayne Wayne told me he goes, look, you got to stop saying you were formerly the drummer with Billy Joel or you were Billy's ex drummer or something like that. No, you are the guy that Billy Joel chose to create those hit records and unforgettable tours. That's who you are. True. You know, good point. Once I grabbed onto that, it was like, fuck. Yeah. That's who I am. Yeah. You know, I mean, when scenes from the time restaurant comes on the radio. Yeah. That's me. You know? Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you about Doug too. I, did he have a history of depression or do you know that his suicide was directly caused by, you know, sadness or frustration in his life because of the Billy outcome? Yeah, look, we, he went downhill after he left Billy. Really? He, it was funny. When we would play, uh, play uh, Nassau Coliseum, he would come and see us play. And it was like, Doug, how could you even be here? Yeah. You know? And, and he would get upset. And look, me and Russell and Doug were friends way before Billy mm-hmm. with the band with the band Topper that we had. I know Russell when he was 15 years old. Mm. They used to come see me play in the club. Yeah. You know, and, and that's when Russell and Doug said, we, I want to be in the band with him, you know. Right. Like like Russell said now, he never said he, he, he wanted to be in the band with Billy. He always said he wanted to be in the band with me, <laughs> you know. So we were really tight. So not only do you lose your gig, but you lose your friends too. Mm-hmm. You know, Doug used to call and... and he would start to talk, and then all of a sudden, I'd say, "Yeah, we're going on the tour." And he goes, "Oh, well, at least you mm. still got your fucking gig," oh, you know, man. and it'd be like, "Oh God!" So the one time that I didn't pick up the phone, and then uh, then he, had, you know, ouch. so we we all could have done more for Doug. Yeah, all yeah. all of us could have. And um, but what he did, you know, suicide is a selfish way out. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, I know that people are in a lot of pain and stuff like that, but. The people you leave behind, mm-hmm. come on. Yeah, we 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 still talk about it all the time. As a matter of fact, Doug, in his will, left me a bass the bass guitar, one of the bass guitars he used. Really? Yeah, because I used to say, you know, Doug, we're so tight. My foot and your uh, and your hand. Mm. If something ever happens to you, I want your bass guitar, and I'm going to nail it above my fireplace. <laughs> you know? Did you? So in his. In his no, I didn't. Okay. Because I don't have a fireplace right now. <laughs> no, no, my ex-wives have fireplaces in every room, but I don't. Okay. Yeah, you know, okay. So, um, uh, but I do have the bass, and when the Lords play, we have our the bass player Malcolm Gold, who plays with us. 
he plays that bass. Nice. And Rich, Richie Canada says it every night, in honor of Doug, who got us all to the point where we are now, we his we have his base here and we're going to use it you know that mm-hmm. that his presence is here with us that's great oh that's magical you know one question i had coming away from that movie is i've and maybe this is just me being naive i've always found it interesting or curious why i mean you're you're with one of the biggest acts in the world because you're one of the best drummers in the world when that job comes to an end why does a why does a comparable job not open up? I mean, like if I if I get laid off, I can go find another job that is similar to the one I may have just lost. You know, payment wise, but that doesn't seem to happen with you. You know, Bonnie Raitt doesn't come calling, or I don't know James Taylor or Sticks or whoever. You know, these big acts don't. Why is that? Why does that not happen? Well. What what happened with after that was, I did get some. I did get calls. Okay. But nobody nobody was paying like Billy was paying. Uh, you know what I mean? It. Yeah. Because after thir- after thirty years, I got to a point where it was like this is good. Mm-hmm. You know, and so like uh, uh, what do they call them? What are their names? Uh, Foghat. Foghat. Yeah, sure. Yeah, they were one of the first to call. Really? And yeah. And it was like, you know, I can't go out for that, you know. Yeah. I mean, I think that people have their guys that they like to use. Yeah. You know? So when you fall out, it's not like Elton's going to get rid of Nigel and say, hey, Liv, come play with me. Right. Yeah, that's the thing I wonder. I mean, all those people I mentioned and you mentioned, they all have their own bands, right, that's built on the chemistry they've created. And so, yeah, I could see that. I just, you know, if... If LeBron James leave, wants to leave a team, he goes to another team and he's still the all-star and everything like that. And it's, right. it's always interesting to me that that same structure doesn't really exist in the music industry so much. I want to see Liberty DeVito be Liberty at full force. Where am I going to see that, you know? Right. Right. Well, you know, I, I still do. I do a lot of stuff. Like I said, the Slim Kings, we play all the time. We're actually making a new record now. Good. And uh, the Lords, when the Lords play, we I play like I did when in, when in the seventies and eighties with Billy, like the powerhouse all the way. Yeah. And uh, and uh, we do these big gigs with the Little Kids Rock. We just did a, the gala with Little Kids Rock, and I, I played with Trombone Shorty. You know. Oh, that's new, great. He's fantastic. You know, it's great. Good. Okay. And are you? We try to touch sensitively on some of the business side of this. I mean, are you able to? you know, pay your bills and live fairly comfortably off of at least a performance royalty with all these records sold? Or how do you pay your bills today? Well, I found the secret to a oh. successful musician. Yeah. You want to know what it is? Yeah. Marry a girl with a job. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You know what's funny? I've talked to over 200 people for the show, and that's actually quite common. Yes. <laughs> Well, that did, it's true, you know, when a drummer uh, breaks up with his girlfriend, he's homeless. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. No, seriously. Seriously. Yeah, I can pay my bills and stuff. But, you know, I get gigs and stuff. You don't get record royalties. There's the uh, international intellectual properties thing. Uh, Just because I played on Billy's songs, there's a, a little teeny tiny couple of cents royalty that you get. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the songs are played so many times. Right. You know? 
I was just curious how all that worked. If you wouldn't mind, I want to throw some of the highlights out to you. And if you had stories about any of these albums or anything like that, I'm curious what they are. Yeah. Um, you guys came into the picture during the Turnstiles era, from what I understand. Yes, sir. Correct? Okay. Yes, sir. Elton had fired Nigel and Dee Murray, right? Yeah. Bass and drums. And Jim Gersio was producing the Turnstiles album for Billy. Uh-huh. So Jim Gersio owned Caribou Ranch. Yep. Uh, Worked with Chicago. Yeah, I remember. Yes. Yep. All that stuff. So um, he hooked up Nigel and Dee to play with Billy. And so they were like halfway through Turnstiles, and Billy said, this sucks. I, there's no way this is going to happen. I, I'm not going to do this, you know. So, and I had already um, met Billy, and Doug was already in the Billy's band. Uh-huh. You know, the, the road, the road band. Now, when I auditioned for Billy, I learned the Piano Man and Street Life Serenade. Those two albums he had already had out, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, after I played those tunes, he was like, "Yeah, that's great, man. You know, it sounds good." And he said, listen, I'm going to make a new album. And it's the album that eventually became first songs. And he said, um, I, I got this new material. What, what would you play on something like this? And he would play a couple of songs and he would be amazed. Like, whoa, mm-hmm. come up with stuff really quick. You mm-hmm. know, I learned these stuff really quick. He didn't know for 25 years that Doug had given me a tape of all those songs that were going to go on turnstiles. Really? Before I went, yeah, before <laughs> I went in for the audition. That's great. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Good for you. Okay. So he's playing with Dee and and, uh, and Nigel. As a matter of fact, uh, Elton had sent flowers to the studio and said, I heard you're playing with another another piano player. You know? <laughs> anyway, right. so he, he fires everybody. Fires everybody. Drives out to Long Island. Calls me and Doug and says, I'm going to Ultrasonic. I'm making the record. You guys are in. Amazing. Great. We go in, it's just me, Billy, and Doug. And we're doing the tunes. And as we're doing the tunes, he'll listen back and he'll go, you know, I could use guitar on this. Mm-hmm. And we would say, well, we know guitar players. And mm-hmm. we'd get Russell and Howie to come in, Howard Emerson. And um, that was Topper. That's how Topper became Billy's band. Right. And then we would go, uh, we heard from Doug's brother, who was an engineer in the studio, that there was this sax play that was really good. So we went one night to see Richie play in a club. And we were like, wow, this guy's really good. Let's get him in the band. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's how that whole thing came together. And Billy just trusted you. Billy was like, yeah, you guys, tell, you tell me who I should have in this band. Yeah, well, say, well, listen to me. I had played with Mitch Ryder already. Okay. So, so when, I, when I was 18, I went on the road with Mitch Ryder. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and uh, so I had that, you know, under my... Uh, in my resume right and uh, a guy richie super who uh, richie super we had a thing called super's jamboree where we made an album in, uh in atlanta and uh on some of the tracks the guys from the atlanta room section mm. eventually became the linda and they played on it too so i i had done stuff that richie super went on to write uh, a lot of songs for aerosmith he wrote pink he wrote uh, you know mm. uh, amazing and a whole bunch of stuff like that Okay. Anyway, so I had that, those names. So Billy was kind of confident that, okay, this guy must be pretty good. I remember once asking me, did you ever play in front of a large crowd? He goes, oh, right, you played with Mitch Ryder. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, I'm curious about specifically All You Want to Do is Dance. 
uh, from that album because I really like reggae and there's not a lot of examples of Billy doing reggae. As a drummer, is it harder, easier, more interesting, less interesting to play reggae? Well, here's, here's the deal. It's like all these guys that are, that are learning Latin, you know, how to play Latin music. Then they, they say, did you hear uh, Alex, uh, trying to make up a last name, uh, some Latin name, right? Right. And, I, and they go, he's so good. And I say, look, here's the deal. Just look at his name. Listen to his name. It's Latin. I can make I can make spaghetti sauce. My last name ends in a vowel. I, right. I'm I'm Italian. I, it, right. it, I grew up smelling that sauce every day. I can tell you what a bad sauce is and what a good sauce is. This guy <laughs> listened to that music growing up. He speaks that language. Uh-huh. He's got to be good. good uh, and with Billy was because we were a blue collar band that came from a blue collar neighborhood you know yeah I could see that absolutely so reggae reggae is like there's those guys that smoke a lot of weed that play that shit yeah. really good you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right okay is there now I go back to my question from before is there a moment on turnstiles that you're particularly proud of because we're going to you know insert little snippets of the songs we talk about in here I'm curious if there's a moment that you really like oh well I I, I like this song I love these days I do like that song I, I like Billy's ballads we drown our doubts in dry champagne and soon the souls with fine cocaine I don't know why I even care We'll get so high and get nowhere We'll have to change our jaded ways But I've loved these days But I like Billy's ballads. But Angry Young Man, I guess, was the first time I ever did a piece like that. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a long piece. There's the prelude, and then there's the body of the song, and then there's the out. You know, yeah. uh, that was cool. And, and um, in, in the um, middle, in the verses there, uh, I remember him tapping on his chest and saying, hey, I want something like this. And he was doing the clop, 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 clop on his chest. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, why don't we do that? And I remember we laid him on a chair and I went out there and played with my hands on his chest. And, really? And on the record, you can hear that combined with the brushes. You hear that clop. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Oh, that's great. There's a place in the world for the angry young man with his working class ties and his radical plans. He refuses to bend, he refuses to crawl. And he's always at home with his back to the wall. 
in the battles he's fought And he struggles and bleeds as he hangs on his cross And he likes to be known as the angry young man Maybe my favorite Liberty moment on a record that isn't a live record is Get It Right the First Time off of The Stranger. One of the few songs that wasn't a single from that album, as popular as it was, when I listen to that, I am blown away that you are even able to play like that. Was that particularly difficult? Tell me a story about that one. Okay, Get It Right the First Time. Uh, that is actually the flip side of Just The Way You Are, <laughs> the single. Got it, okay. So... That song Billy had written, and I used to try to come up with this beat all the time. And every time we would go in the studio and record a song, like we would record uh, um, uh, Moving Out, right? Because it's on the Stranger album. And then we would try Get It Right the first time. It didn't work. Then we would do another song, uh, The Stranger, and then try Get It Right the first time. Didn't work. Didn't work. Finally, I remember telling, telling, um, Phil Ramone, why don't you just get stuff to play it? You know, stuff with the, the New York band would get in it. Okay. And Phil looked at me and said, no, you're going to get it. So actually, that's me being Steve Gadd in the moment. Really? <laughs> yeah, trying to be Gadd, you know, like coming up with one of those beats like those guys play, you know. Wow. It's so intricate. And, the, you know, this the song kind of fades in with your playing. And it's you're doing like 10 different things. Listen to me. The reason for that is because I had to do a fill before I could play the lick. I had to go. And that's why it fades in. I hope that looks don't deceive I ain't got time for true confessions Gotta make the move right now Got to meet that girl somehow Get it right the first time That's the main thing Oh, I can't afford to let it pass You get it right the next time That's not the same thing Oh, gonna make a I mean, it's impressive. Uh, everything, your performance on there is one of the best I can think of. I listen to that and I go, yeah, that's, that's okay. <laughs> that was all right. Yeah, you had a good day. You had a good day. Yeah, yeah. Took a while to get there, but it was a good day. Right. So how did your life change when The Stranger took off the way that it did? I mean, let's face it, people care about you and Billy and everything else because it started right there, you know? It did. It started right there. And I can remember the moment when I knew it happened. In Washington, D.C., we played a place called the Mothers of the World Memorial or something like that, something weird. And when we came out, I walked out with Billy, and all of a sudden he was gone, and he was surrounded by all these girls going, like, just grabbing him. 
and I could mm-hmm. see him looking at me from inside this circle of girls. And I looked at him and I thought to myself, this is it, man. I think we broke through, you know? <laughs> <laughs> let me let me ask you this. Were you married when this happened? No. No, I was not. Good. Okay. Are there any stories about being a single guy in one of the, you know, playing in one of the biggest bands in the world that you want to share with us? Oh, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> yes. How about this? <laughs> How about this? I'm married now, actually for the third time, but, but my, and my wife gets disgusted when I say this, but once me and Doug sat on an airplane and he was in back of me and I got up on my seat on my knees and I looked at Doug and I said, let's try not to get laid tonight. (laughs) (laughs) It was just too easy, right? It took effort to not have it happen. When Just The Way You Are came out, the girls thought we were the most sensitive guys in the world. (laughs) (laughs) That is great. Oh my gosh. What a life, Lib. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it was sick. It was sick. As a matter of fact, you know, just the way you are almost didn't make it on the album because we wanted to be rock guys, you know, like, yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, Phoebe Snow and, and Linda Ronstadt came to the studio and Billy played just the way you are for them. Don't go changing to try and please me. Never let me down before. Mm-hmm. And they both said, if you put that on the record, you'll get more girls than you know what to do with. <laughs> it's a patty dropper. Absolutely. Bam, it went right on the record. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I would not leave you in times of trouble. We never could have come. Mm-hmm. I took the good times I'll take the bad times I take you just the way you are Now, okay, I, I've never thought of this before, but I'm going to ask you and you can say yes or no. Did you ever have any like famous girlfriends? Anyone we would know? No, I think the most famous girlfriend I ever had was actually with was the young girl that was on um, Married with Children. Oh, Christina Applegate? Her mother. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Dated Christina Applegate's mother. That is great. Yes, and I did make it out once with Stevie Nicks, but that was only in a bathroom. Hey, yes! <laughs> yes! <laughs> Good for you! <laughs> I had Walter Egan on here and he was saying how, you know, he had this big crush on Stevie when they were working together on Magnet and Steel. And he just sort of threw off almost as an afterthought. And then my dream came true. And I was like, whoa, Walter, what are you talking about? And they had some like, you know, two week affair at the height of rumors and his album getting big and Lindsay producing it with Stevie. Just crazy. That's got to be like the Holy Grail. (laughs) <laughs> it's like if you got a moment with stevie you you've arrived or something like that you know it's funny my my ex-wife and, and one of my daughters is out with the uh, fleetwood back right now really i just <laughs> yeah. saw them in concert last week uh, my ex-wife that's the teleprompter and my my uh daughter 
Marielle, she um, does the dressing rooms and um, cuts hair and does makeup. That is great. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That is great. Cool. So 52nd Street, I mean, that album had huge expectations, I'm sure, because of The Stranger. I was pretty young. I was only a kid. So I remember these songs, but I don't remember the politics of it all. Was it, I think it was received really warmly as well. It wasn't considered any kind of like a, uh, you know, you screwed up or you ruined the popularity or anything like that. Am I right? No, no. This, this, this was like, wow, this is as good as, if not better than The Stranger. Yeah, really? That's the way that one came came through. I mean, I hate the song My Life. I just don't like it. <laughs> really? Yeah, I never did. Uh, but the funny thing is, is like, you know, there's a straight bass drum in part of it. Uh, when, when Billy's like, da, 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 you know, that part. Uh-huh. And I, I refused to do it because, you know, right before that, The Stranger only made it to number two on the charts. The record that kept it out of number one was a Saturday Night Fever. So when we did My Life, I told Philharmon, I said, I'm not playing that disco shit, you know? <laughs> and he slammed something on the on the board and he, he looked at me, he goes, you've been in this business for about 20 minutes now and you're going to tell me what you're not going to play. <laughs> and you know what? I think about that every time I walk past the gold single that's on the wall. <laughs> oh, that's genius. Yeah. Yeah. I like that album a lot too. I, I like, uh, I think stiletto is probably yep. maybe my favorite album on favorite song on that album. You sound especially good on that song as well. Me and Billy were way into traffic. Oh yeah. That whole feel, that that's traffic all the way. Oh, I can totally hear that now. I wouldn't have guessed. Yeah. I love that. She cuts you hard, she cuts you deep. She's got so much skill She's so fascinating that you're still there waiting When she comes back for the kill You've been slashed in the face You've been left there to bleed You want to run away but you know you're gonna stay Cause she gives you what you need And she says she needs affection While she searches for the pain Now, I got to ask you about Glass Houses because I think the narrative on that is that everyone always says Billy hears that punk is a big deal and Billy says, hey, I can rock too. And so Glass Houses is kind of his version of a Billy Joel punk album. Does that sound, is that right? Kind of, yeah, kind of. And Still still Rock and Roll is is like, hey, it doesn't matter what it is, it's Still Rock and Roll of age, you know. Right, right. When you start these projects, does Billy come to you and say, okay, guys, here's the deal. I want to write a more, I want to record a more straightforward rock record this time. Or is it more of an organic process? Like, let's see what everybody brings to the table. Well, it, it depends on the record. Like, um, okay. like Glass Houses was like, I just want the band to play. And it was the first uh, time we actually recorded three songs. I think we did Fantasy, You May Be Right, and something else 
and then went on the road before the album would come out and played the songs to see how they would go over. Mm-hmm. That was the first time we ever did that. Oh, but like a, a, an album like um, uh, Nylon Curtain, he would say, don't even think about playing this live. Just let's, let's just do what the song needs. Uh-huh. You know, and that's why Nylon Curtain is very more complicated than Glass Houses is. Yeah. That's why every cover band plays You May Be Right. Good day and welcome to the sunroom. I'd like to perform a song from Billy Joel entitled... Oh, you may be right. I got to be honest, I, I've never quite warmed to Nylon Curtain. Really? There's some good moments, but it's a little, I don't know, it feels too much like a heavy-handed message album to me. Like it's so steeped in importance and meaning that it loses some of like just the joy of listening to good music. I can see that. It's, it's actually my favorite. Uh, Is it? I've had a feeling you were going to say that. I think it's my favorite, yeah. I like it. Okay, what specifically? Well, I like uh, Good Night Saigon because I'm of that era, you know. Uh, uh-huh. I mean, when I was 19 years old, four days before my 19th birthday, I got the uh, the notice, the draft notice in the mail that I had to go for my physical. Luckily, I failed. <laughs> oh, really? Uh, yeah, I, 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 I told them I did all kinds of drugs and everything like that. Uh-huh. I, I was a freak <laughs> and I was medically and mentally disqualified from the military. But, um, Good. You, you know, we really felt I had a lot of friends that went that never came back, you know. So when he wrote this song, it was like really moving, uh, and and that and, and Scandinavian skies. Uh, that's that's actually about us doing heroin in in Amsterdam. Uh, what really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was the only one, one the only time we ever did that, and um, you know we did we snorted it, but uh, uh-huh. and that, that, that's what that's about. And Laura is the whole album is a tip of the hat to the Beatles, you know. Is it? it? Yeah, uh, Laura. Huh. In the instrumental break, uh, sometimes I listen to it and I think, "Oh my God, is that also about the Beatles?" Yeah. 
and it's funny because we did such a great job, I think, at, at trying to emulate the Beatles that Julian Lennon actually hired Phil Ramone as the producer after he heard Nylon Curtain. No way. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I would. Oh wow. Yeah, I could see. You know that mute that album does feel like you said, like a an album for almost for musicians. I mean, there's great songs on it, but I could see where you guys were sort of allowed to cut loose a little bit. Some of the songs are a little longer. Uh, they've got these, you know, passages in them where you can solo. I could see that. Okay. Okay. It was at the time. Was it you know viewed as favorably as the ones before it, or was it? I don't even remember. No, it did. It actually didn't do well uh, compared to the other ones. You know, it didn't do well. It sold a million and a half in the beginning, but uh, not. You know, by then I think the stranger was up to eight million. You know, stuff like uh -huh. that. So, um, uh, no, and it took a year to make because Billy had a motorcycle accident in the middle of it. Remember, he crushed just he crushed his thumb on his left hand. That's right. I forgot all about that. Okay. So, Innocent Man is kind of my era because I I'm 45, and yeah. so. That was the album that alerted me to Billy Joel. And then once I go back and I listen to the other hits, I realize, oh, I've known these songs my whole life, you know, sitting in the backseat of my parents' car or whatever. They're drilled into your brain. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I was watching the video for the longest time. And you guys, you know, just mugging for the camera like there's no tomorrow. Were you actually singing on that or was that just for the video? No. Funny thing is, is that song, all those background harmonies, uh -huh. that's that's Billy. He's the only vocalist on that record. Really? Yeah. That's oh, all Billy. So that's just, no way. Yeah. When we did Innocent Man, he was focusing in on the groups that we grew up listening to. Like Innocent Man is like under the boardwalk and stuff like mm -hmm. that by the drifters. I used to mow lawns uh, and uh, take the money and go buy records, 45s. You know, this is all about 45s now. Longest Time, longest time is um, uh, So Much In Love by the, um, who did So Much In Love? As uh, we scroll I, along. Yeah. Oh, yeah, The Times. Yeah. T-Y-M-E-S, The Times. Yeah. What was Easy Money? Because that's maybe my favorite song on the album. <laughs> Easy Money, that's an interesting tune. Easy Money is on the album because he had to write the opening credit songs for Rodney Dangerfield's movie, Easy Money. For the movie? Yeah, but it's done as an R&B, an old kind of R&B tune. And it's funny because that was the only record we ever recorded. Everybody was in the studio at the same time. Horns, background vocals. Everybody. Oh, really? Billy didn't play piano. He just sang it. Richard T played piano. Uh, we had other guitar players besides Russell and David. Eric Gale played guitar. Huh. There was really a lot of players in there. It was done all at once. Bam.
Yeah, I love that track. I wasn't sure what came first, if the song was written for the movie or if the movie took the song and used it as a as the theme or whatever. The song was written for the movie because he had to do it because. Okay. And then he, uh, remember, he, then he asked Rodney to be in his Tell Her About It video. Ah, yes. You're right. That's it. Okay. That makes yeah. sense. Okay, now let me talk to you about the bridge. I know I'm just going album by album. Is this okay? Yeah. Okay, good. I can't believe I have you on the phone because I love you so much. This is amazing. Um, <laughs> now, another one of my favorite Liberty DeVito performances is Running on Ice. I find myself to be often a track one type of guy. Do you have any stories about Running on Ice? Robin Williams did a, a movie called Something in Paradise. Uh, oh, yeah, Club Paradise. Club Paradise. Yes. They asked Sting to do the song, to write a song. <laughs> Sting couldn't do it, so Billy did it. That's why it's so stingish. There's a lot of tension in this town, and no one's building up the side of me. seen that movie a couple of times and i completely forgot that that song was in the movie you're right yeah yeah your performance on there is great i'm wondering though you probably noticed a lot of the songs that i love that i'm mentioning are these very boisterous they're the upbeat rocking songs i i'm not really mentioning the ballads as much do you feel i mean is the is it just as difficult to play you know restrained on a ballad as it would be on a rocker no it's, uh, okay i, I like I like, you know, it's fun to play both. I just wondered if you, you know, if I, it's like how people sort of discredit comedy when it comes to the Oscars. And they're like, you know, comedy is actually much harder than you think it is. Right. And I wonder if I'm sort of missing something here that we're like, you know, drumming on a ballad is actually more difficult and almost more technical than I w I'm realizing because I'm gravitating to the rockers. No, it is. It is. It, it, you're, you're, fills and and what you're playing has to be more thought out like so you don't step all over something else sure you know? yeah so, so it's really thought out it's harder it's harder when you run into a ballad when you're playing live and you just came off a fast song because you got to mm -hmm. come down to the ballad mm -hmm. that's what that's what gets uh, crazy okay that makes sense are you noticing at the time seems like the bridge is almost in some ways kind of the end of an era a little bit like yes. the 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 high point of billy's career this is sort yep. of the bookend of it are you noticing it while it's happening the bridge was a strain to make in the studio hmm. because it was having a difficulty writing songs and uh, just it was just a strain uh a and r was the studio that we recorded the stranger and the second street glass houses in was being torn down. The whole building was being torn down. So we were trying to find a studio. So it was kind of like, I don't know what's going on after this. Uh, you know, and I know the other guys in the band were feeling the same way, you know, because actually when we went to Russia, everybody kind of knew it was almost over, you know? Really? Huh? Yeah. 
was there tension among the band or was there tension between Billy and everyone else? Or was it sort of still humming along? You still feeling like a gang? Uh, it was, we were having fun, but it was, it wasn't tension. It was like something's going to have to change here mm. because we're starting to get lost and become the old, old group again now, you know, when new guys are coming out. Okay. Um, yeah. What was it like making videos? I remember the Matter of Trust video so vividly. Yeah. And you guys, I think it was actually a really super hot day. I think, wasn't it? Like it was a, it was really hot in New York. And so they opened the doors and, the, you know, the to let the wind in during the recording of that video. Is that right? Do I have that right? <laughs> well, you fall for it. I did? Ah, Every, I wondered. Okay. Everybody, everybody in that video is an actor. Okay. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> they, ha they have to be because they have to sign a release. Right. You know, the woman with the snake, the woman uh -huh. yelling out the window, they're all actors. <laughs> but it know? wasn't really so, like 115 yeah. in a New York summer or no, something it, like that? It, it was, it, yeah, it was hot. Okay. But, you know, I mean. Okay, you're creating a moment. Was, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I fell for that one. Okay, good. I've always wondered. In general, though, you know, uh, making videos, which, let's face it, I mean, that helped launch you and every other act of that era, Hall and Oates and everybody else. Did you enjoy right. the process of making videos or was it sort of a, a strain? No, it sucked. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It just sucks making videos. You know, it's Why? funny. Uh, Billy did a video. Uh, 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 one of the guys we worked with, his mother, loved the song um, uh, She's Right on Time, which uh -huh. is on the Bridge album. Great one. And and uh, she saw the video of Billy trying to set up the Christmas tree and it falling down and the girl breaking her heel and, you know, kind of like trying to be funny. Mm -hmm. And the woman said it ruined the song for her. Oh. Uh, you know, uh, that that visual thing. It's like, you like making up things in your head, what songs are about rather than like seeing, Oh, that's what it's about. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I could see that you're tying a visual forever to this song, which may mean something different to the person who's listening. Okay. Yeah. Like, um, the, 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 you know, do you know the song by bread called, uh, everything I own? Sure. Yeah. Uh, okay. So I grew up, liking the song and thinking like, oh, it's a really nice love song. You know, this poor guy broke up with this girl and he wants her back. And when I found out he wrote it about his father, I wept. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I even knew that. Wow. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I mostly, when you mentioned that song, the Boy George cover of it from the 80s is what comes to my mind. Boy George. That's a, yeah. a treat right there. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's I remember when, when all those guys would change it in names, like Boy George was like dressing like a woman, and then everybody, you know, uh, Toots Steelman, uh, when he came on the bus with us, we were in England, and he played with us uh, at the, at Wembley. He came on the bus, and he he's so funny. He kept calling me Evelyn, you know. He tells me a lot. Oh, that's great! You know, I forget sometimes. You must have seen it all, Lib, in those days. <laughs> yeah. I mean. Yeah. Played every venue, seen every. Tell us some stories. Who were some of the memorable interactions that you had in those days? You know, it's funny because uh, you know we were Billy for thirty years. We made a lot of trips to Australia because we got our first gold album from Australia. Mm. You know, I'm, I remember 
when we were in Billy's apartment, when uh, the management company, his wife took over and she started this place, this management company called Home Run. And mm. it was based out of her dining room. And we were sitting there and they, they, she said, I got a call from, from Australia. The album has gone gold there. It only took 35,000 copies to go gold. And okay. she said, they, they want us to come. Oh. And we were like, what? What, what do you what do you wear when you go there? I mean, what 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 who what they got kangaroos that run the sound? What we knew nothing about Australia, but we've gone we had gone so many times over the years that I developed a lot of friendships. You know that that by not going anymore, it's like you kind of lost touch with them. But you know, every time we went back, it was the same people we saw all the time. Yeah, and we would always go on a t- when we toured. We always went on every album. We went to Australia. And we would play Sydney Opera House, or, or we would play uh, uh, Sydney Sydney Entertainment Center for two and a half weeks. So we'd be in Sydney for two and a half weeks, just hanging out, you know. Amazing, amazing. And then move to the next city, you know. And you're probably in just like the five star hotels, living just the glamorous life during those two weeks, wherever you go. Actually, that we stayed at the Siebel Townhouse. That was the rock and roll townhouse. Oh. That was at the. That was the at the end of King's Cross where all the hookers and everybody stayed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they know where to be. They know the, yeah. they know to plant themselves around the rock and roll hotel. Exactly. Exactly. So that that poses the question, what do you miss most? What was the best thing about those days and what was the worst thing? And then what do you miss the most? The best thing about those days was getting up in the morning leaving your room, going downstairs, having breakfast, being able to just sign a piece of paper, coming back, and somebody's made your bet. Picked up your dirty towels. I love hotel living. I do, do you? I do too. Yeah. yeah. Worst part is leaving the family. You know, I, I had young daughters, and, you know, and um, that, that was tough. That was really tough. And I see how hard it is now because I have like, you know, I married a uh, woman 25 years younger than me and we just had a baby. She's going to be two in February. That's crazy. And I, uh, yeah. And I see what it's like having her because uh, I'm with her all the time and I see what I missed with the other ones. Right. You know, and and I, I have to say I missed a lot because of my career. Luckily one, luckily, one works in the music business. She's with Stevie Dicks and, and those guys. Another one wants to be a registered nurse. She's going to school for that. Another one's on TV. She's an actress. You know? There you go. Yeah. Sounds like you did okay. Not bad. Yeah, good for you, man. Um, okay, tell me, um, I, I skipped over Stormfront. Do you, how do you feel about Stormfront? Do you like that album? I do. I like okay. Stormfront, because, uh, especially Leningrad. Children lived in another town, hid in the shelters underground, till the Soviets turned their ships around, saw the Cuban missiles down, and in that bright October sun, we knew our childhood days were done, and I watched my friends go off to war, what do they keep on fighting for? nailed it when he wrote Leningrad. That's what it was like going there, being afraid, thinking we're going to see three-headed monsters breathing fire. And then, yeah, we never knew what first we had until we came to Leningrad, you know? 
Yeah. How do you feel about We Didn't Start the Fire? Because I don't feel like that's a song that's aged very well. Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> I mean, it was fun when it came out as a novelty, but it yeah. it hasn't stood the test of time, I don't think. You ever seen the book Chronicles? It lists uh, events that happened. Uh-huh. Big, big, thick, fat book. He had that. Oh. He would just flip the pages. Oh, this <laughs> happened then. Oh. Uh, Henry, whatever he sings about, you know, Harry Truman, Doris Day, oh, Red China, Johnny Ray. Uh, (laughs) Well, it was a a fun little exercise at the time. Tell us about the Slim Kings. You guys are working on your third album. These are a couple of younger guys. Put your armor on and let your mind shut down. Best way to get loose is to get yourself wound in the dark liquid cave on a rooftop cabana. There might be blondes, but you're not in Alabama. Never mind the guilt of the upper upper class. This is the place to flash the cash. Hang your head out the window with your black leather tank. Say to every last drop that you drank. And Brittany, let go. How did these guys get lucky enough to get to play with you? The thing that connects us the most is Andy, the bass player, works with a lot of hip-hop guys. And Michael, of course, is a songwriter in his own right. He listens to everything. But they'll come up to me and and they'll play a hip-hop song. And they'll say, maybe we can write something around like a beat like this, you know, or something like that. And I'll I'll go, that's an old Motown beat. That's probably like a Supreme song or something. So that's what connects us. Like, the hip-hop guys are using beats that used to be, mm-hmm. and I know those beats, and now they're learning those beats. Very interesting. So it's that common thing going through the Slim Kings. I mean, I'm glad that you have an outlet. The world deserves all the Liberty DeVito they can possibly get, because uh, you're one of the best there's ever been. As we close this out, tell me a song that, um, it, it doesn't even have to be a Billy song, anything that we might know where I know you didn't get songwriting credits on these things, but is there a song that you feel like you contributed a lot to, that you almost feel a sense of ownership of? What would that song be? Well, let me tell you this. I can say anything I want on your show, right? Yeah, you can. Okay, okay. This song, My Life. You know, there's the piano thing in the beginning. Uh-huh. Billy was trying to write words for that once. I leaned over to him and I said, I got the lyric for this. It goes like this. You suck my dick. What a way to say good morning. <laughs> he, he looked at me and he goes, oh my God, I can never, ever write lyrics to that part now again because it is stuck in my mind. And up until the very end when we played together, he used to look at me during that point and he would mouth those words like, da, 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 da. <laughs> Oh my God, that's the best. Oh, that's the best bit of trivia I've ever heard. Oh, and I never, I, I never told that in an interview. Oh, bless your heart, Liberty. I love it. Oh, man. Oh, All right. That's it. Got a call from an old friend we used to be real.
have it. Liberty DeVito. Wasn't that great? Will you ever hear this song, My Life, the same way again? Because I won't. I can tell you that right now. Uh, By the way, I meant to ask him on here and I forgot. I want to know what song he was just sick to death of playing. Either he didn't like it because it wasn't challenging enough or he just never liked the song in the first place. Uh, So I emailed him. You know what he came back with? He said, I hate Piano Man. Isn't that great? Oh, Liberty's the best. I hope you guys enjoyed that. I think he is just wonderful. Now, next week, we are going to hear from the frontman of one of the great one-hit wonder bands of the 90s. We're kind of going clear the other direction. Now, when I say that, I feel like that's almost redundant because the 90s were like the hot period for one-hit wonders. But this is one of them. And he's a really great guy that I have a personal connection with. So I hope you guys will come back and check that one out because it's kind of a fun one. A huge thanks to our producer, Paul Underwood of Glory Days Radio. He stepped in this week. I love what he does. He's kind of helping us put the shows out there from time to time. And so I want to give Paul a big thanks. You guys know the deal by now. You can find us on Facebook and like our page. You can send us a message on there. You can send us an email at thehustlepod at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Twitter at thehustlepod. We put out new episodes every Tuesday. Thanks, everybody. We love you. We will see you soon. Dick, what a way to say good morning.